This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Science Weekly is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash scienceweekly today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scienceweekly. So I'm heading into central London on the tube, carrying what looks very like a kind of Tupperware-style soup container. That's Guardian Science correspondent Linda Geddes talking about a trip she recently took across London. And then I get out of the tube at Westminster and cross Westminster Bridge, which is very busy, actually. And I'm kind of watching my step because, again, I don't want to trip up and risk dropping this container on the floor. That would be an absolute disaster. And why would spilling her cargo be so bad? Well, inside that box is a freshly laid poo. (laughs) That's all I... A very healthy, a very special (laughs) poo of mine. (laughs) The reason I was carrying my poo across London um, was that I had volunteered as a faecal transplant donor. Researchers are exploring the potential of faecal transplants inserting poo through the rectum into the colon to treat all kinds of gut-related conditions. But the reason I was at St Thomas's is because they have been working on a different way of getting the bacteria from healthy donors into people's guts, and that's through capsules, or crapsules as they're known in the trade. The hope is that these crapsules could one day be prescribed for a whole range of diseases. But... Is this something people are ready to swallow? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. 
Geddes, you're a science correspondent for The Guardian. And recently you reported on and contributed to the science of faecal transplants. So in a way that we can easily digest, (laughs) what is a faecal transplant? A faecal transplant involves taking bacteria or sometimes poo from a healthy person and getting them into the guts of somebody who is suffering from usually an infection with a bug called Clostridium difficile. That's the kind of only licensed use at the moment. But faecal transplants are currently being explored in all sorts of clinical trials around the world for conditions ranging from brain disorders like Parkinson's or autism, to metabolic diseases like diabetes, to inflammatory conditions like arthritis, to other things like ME or chronic fatigue syndrome. So there's been this kind of explosion in interest in faecal transplants for treating all sorts of things. So the idea is that you take the gut microbiome from one person and put it into another. Can it be anyone's poo or bacteria? Well, it depends on the person. You know, we have trillions of bacteria in our guts. And, you know, many of those bacteria are extremely beneficial and healthy, but not all of them are. And some people have more of these harmful bacteria than others. So in order to become a faecal donor, um, as I did, you have to undergo really, really thorough screening because you really wouldn't want to be giving an unhealthy person or any person just anyone's poo. I have very special poo. It turns out the researchers screen me for pretty much every bacteria, virus, parasite that is a kind of major source of gastrointestinal illness and disease. So it turns out that my poo is actually very pure of these pathogens. So, you know, people vary in what they have living in their guts. I know that we're still learning a lot about the role the gut microbiome has throughout our bodies. But how big of a difference could a transplant make? There's been lots of interesting studies in animals suggesting that if you take, say, the microbiome from an obese mouse and you put it into a healthy-sized mouse, that healthy mouse will start to become obese. There was also a really interesting study by researchers at the University of East Anglia quite recently where they took faecal transplants from old mice and put them into young mice and found that those young mice then started to develop kind of leaky guts and markers of inflammation in their brains and eyes. So there's some interest and speculation about in the future, possibly people might bank their stool when they're young and use it to replenish their guts with healthier microbes when they're older. So it sounds like there's quite a lot of research going into this. How long has this idea of transplanting poo from one body to another been around? Well, about 1700 years ago, there was a Chinese doctor called Gi Hong who reportedly was urging patients with severe diarrhea to consume yellow soup. I don't know how widely it caught on. Certainly, it doesn't seem to be a kind of common treatment today. But perhaps this idea that, you know, there's something in poo that could treat gastrointestinal diseases, clearly that idea has been around for a while. So yellow soup is made from... Poo! (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, Linda, nobody's making yellow soup anymore, as you said. And instead, they're making these capsules or crapsules. How did they turn your poo into a crapsule? Well, 
having brought my poo to St. Thomas's Hospital, it was brought into a lab. Everything's very sterile. So all of the work's done inside a laminar flow cabinet. And a researcher basically undid my tub um, and proceeded to like scoop large lumps of my poo onto a weighing scale. Some of that got kind of put into little tubes to have further tests done on it, just to confirm that I hadn't picked up any of these nasty bugs in the few weeks between the initial screening and having my poo made into these capsules. And then the rest of the poo got, first of all, kind of mixed up with some saline, kind of shaken up into a slurry, literally a slurry. And then that got filtered through a very fine kind of sieve (laughs) to remove, you know, any large lumps of undigested food. And then this got put into these tubes and centrifuged, so kind of spun down. That then gets kind of poured into a Petri dish and put into a freeze dryer overnight. And what you end up with is this kind of actually quite beautiful bacterial cake that is kind of like pale, almost sort of gold, actually. And then that's kind of unceremoniously crumbled up into a fine brown powder. And then that is scooped into these red empty capsules, sealed up. They look like really quite boring tablets at the end of the day, but they are quite unusual. So tell me a bit more about what your capsules are actually going to be used for. So two things that are happening at St Thomas's at the moment. First of all, they are giving faecal transplants to people with C. difficile in the form of capsules rather than through the back passage. But they've also been running this trial to see if these capsule-based faecal transplants could help to treat antibiotic-resistant bacteria that are living in people's bowels. So, you know, there are some people who carry these bugs and they suffer from ongoing difficult-to-treat infections. So the idea is maybe by giving bacteria from healthy people, you can crowd out the bad antibiotic-resistant ones and repopulate the gut with healthy ones. So people like me who are donating their faeces are contributing to those two main things at the moment. And did you speak to anyone who received a transplant? Yes, I did. There's a woman who um, has had a string of C. difficile infections. And, you know, having this transplant, not with my poop, but someone else's, really was transformative for her. You know, she said it completely changed her life. That, you know, before she was unable to leave the house and she was kind of worried about eating because she just kept getting these awful stomach cramps and she feels back to being herself again. And then I spoke to another woman who's been taking part in the trial for antibiotic resistant bacteria. She picked up typhoid while on holiday in Ghana. And that kind of led to all sorts of kind of ongoing unpleasant symptoms. She doesn't know whether she had, you know, a placebo capsule or the real deal, but she is feeling a lot better now. So how does this compare to other treatments that are already available in terms of, you know, how effective it might be? Well, for C. difficile, the main treatment at the moment is antibiotics. And they can be effective, assuming you don't have antibiotic resistance C. difficile. But about 20% of patients get repeated infections. So, you know, you take the antibiotics, you get better for a few days, then it just comes back. And then they're kind of stuck in this cycle of more and more antibiotics and not really getting better. So the current guidance for where to use faecal transplants is for people who have got recurrent or repeated C. difficile 
infections. And there, I think for you know people who've just had a single fecal transplant, 85% of them are cured of their symptoms. For people who've had kind of multiple, you know, sometimes you need two or three transplants and then it gets up into the kind of 90s. Wow. And Linda, you mentioned some conditions earlier where this could be used. Why do researchers think that faecal transplants could be effective in all these different places? Basically, the gut is our biggest interface between our environment, the things we eat, and our immune system. So tethered to our gut lining and around it are lots of immune cells. And their interactions with the bacteria in our guts seem to play quite a key role in programming the tone of the immune system, how kind of inflammatory it is, how sort of anti-inflammatory it is. You know, there are immunotherapies for cancer nowadays, particularly for cancers like melanoma, skin cancer, where about 40% of patients with melanoma respond really well to these immunotherapies, but the remaining 60% don't. And why is that? We don't know for sure, but there does seem to be a difference in the microbiome, the gut microbiome of people who are good responders and bad responders. And here's the fascinating part. If you take a fecal transplant from an immunotherapy responder and put it into a non-responder, that non-responder responds better to the immunotherapy. For things like brain disorders, the mechanism is still being worked out. There certainly seems to be an association between different kind of microbiomes and people who are more prone to things like Parkinson's disease or, or autism. There seem to be disruptions in the microbiome there does seem to be this kind of crosstalk between the gut and the brain, which is really fascinating, but no one has really got to grips with what's going on there yet. But definitely there's a lot of really exciting and interesting research looking into this. It's fascinating. And obviously there is a lot left to learn, but how mainstream do you think this could become? Are we all going to be eating each other's poo or maybe Linda, your poo, um, seeing as it's so good, you know, in the years to come? (laughs) I think... This could become a mainstream treatment. You know, it's still quite a labour-intensive process. And also, if you're taking bacteria from individual donors, it's always going to be a variable product. So there are companies now who are trying to identify specific populations of bacteria from healthy donors that could be used to treat specific conditions. And those bacteria, you might initially be taking them from poo. But then the idea is that you would then be growing them up in giant fermentation tanks and packaging them into capsules in a kind of much more sterile and much more kind of industrial scale capacity than is being done in these research trials. This doesn't seem to affect the researchers, but for the rest of us, there is this yuck factor. You know, talking about this, thinking about it, it is kind of gross. Do you think the rest of us could get over that? And if we can, what kind of difference could faecal transplants make? In the case of the St Thomas's researchers, they've been recruiting people for this trial and only about a third of them were willing to actually enrol and and try these crapsules. So, you know, it still is a big barrier. But I think the idea of ultimately being able to grow specific populations of bacteria and pop them in a pill and swallow it. I don't see why anyone would be yucked out about doing that because already, you know, people are quite happy to swallow these kind of fermentation-based drinks in kefir. You know, I think we need to get more familiar with the bacteria in our lives and see them as positive. If we can make this work and if it does work and if we can find a way of getting over the yuck factor, then 
these kind of capsules could provide an affordable solution to all sorts of pressing challenges. Antimicrobial resistance is this massive, massive, massive global issue. And frankly, any alternative approaches to developing new antibiotics, which are difficult to develop and will take a long time, could be extraordinarily useful. If we can find ways to make cancer immunotherapies work more effectively, that's a really big deal. There's a lot of really exciting and important research that can be done in this field. And so I think we have to get over the idea that poo is totally disgusting because it actually, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, it turns out. And it's clearly made you see your poo very differently as well. Um, Linda, this has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks again to Linda Geddes. We've put a link to her piece on faecal transplants on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. The producer was Ned Carter-Miles, the sound design was by Joel Cox, and the executive producer was Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. Now, before you go, this year, as part of The Guardian's partnership with Glastonbury Festival, we've got 10 pairs of tickets to give away free to worthy winners. If you know someone who deserves a chance to experience the world's best festival and potentially the world's worst portaloos, visit theguardian.com forward slash worthy dash winners to nominate them for a weekend of arts, culture and, of course, music. Make sure to cast your nominations by Saturday the 1st of April and only UK residents who are 18 and over can apply. And we've also put a link to that on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com too. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.